welcome listeners to the Radical Life Support Podcast series on the ABCs of the Attributes of God. This is episode number 10. So excited. Thank you all for being faithful listeners. We have one listener who's been listening to us every Friday morning over a cup of coffee, and we're so glad that you're joining us. Let's start with our quote from A.W. Tozier, who says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And this statement is particularly true for today's attribute coming from the letter J, God is just. I recently asked a friend if they thought God was just, and they hesitated. If we do not think that God is just, then it will definitely affect how we live and make decisions in our life. If we think God is unjust in any way, if we compare him to any human judge or judgment in this world, we will not go to or trust in a God we believe is unfair, uncaring, and unjust. I personally, I I don't want to believe in a God like that. Thank goodness. I do believe with all my heart that he's fair, he's caring, and he's perfectly just. I cannot stress enough how critical it is to get this particular attribute correct in your heart and your mind and to hold tight to it. Just as you need to believe that God is good all the time, his justice is good too. When we're discussing this attribute of God, uh, we'll also be using the words justice, judge, and judgment. In the dictionary, just means based on or behaving according to what is morally right and fair. And the word equity, we'll be discussing too, and equity means the quality of being fair and impartial. And we all want that to be the case of any judge in a courtroom. We want them to be fair and impartial. The judge must apply the rule of law impartially to any given situation. But sometimes in our society, there may be some debate even about whether the law itself is right or fair. Now our God, he reigns in equity. In God's society, his standards for morality are perfectly right and fair and very clearly laid out in the Bible. When we use the word iniquity, we're talking about the exact opposite. It's immoral or grossly unfair behavior. Judgment is determining under examination as to whether someone has been equitable or inequitable in their heart and conduct. Now, there is no moral standard or any set of rules that God must comply to. There were any rules that God must comply to that would imply that those standards are higher than him and that he must act in a certain way in accordance to them. He's the highest moral standard there is and nothing is superior to or outside of him that he needs to be obedient to it. Nothing can cause him to add anything to himself or remove anything from himself. Nothing can change in him to act in any other way than who he is. Tozier says, everything in the universe is good to the degree that it conforms to the nature of God and is evil as it fails to do so. God is his own self-existent principle of moral equity. And when he sentences evil men or rewards the righteous, he simply acts like himself from within. He's uninfluenced by anything that is not himself. So someone may ask, how can God be good, just, and merciful at the same time? Now, this goes back to our original 
original sayings that we say in every podcast that these are three attributes of God. God is good, God is merciful, and God is just. And these three things are not separate parts of God, somehow working in harmony with one another. When it comes to God's attributes, they're all one together in God's being. God is not multi-attributed. He's one. His attributes are one. So there is never a conflict between any of his attributes. He can be just and good. He can be just and merciful at the same time. There's no conflict with him being those three attributes at once. So when it comes to that question again, how can God be good, merciful, and just at the same time? I've got two questions that come up in people's minds. If he is such a good God, then how can he judge anyone or send anyone to hell? Now, think of an earthly judge. We would not think an earthly judge is a good judge. If he let everyone who committed a crime and came before him in court, he set them all free and even maybe rewarded them for their bad behavior. Now, that person, the defendant, might think he is a good judge because he let he or she get away with their wicked behavior. But the prosecution and the offended parties would definitely not think that justice had been served if a judge did that. So think of God. When God administers justice, that doesn't mean he isn't good. Only a good God does administer justice. If he didn't administer justice, then he definitely wouldn't be a good God. The second question that comes up a lot is, if he must judge everyone's sins and there is a penalty, then how can he also give mercy to people? From the very beginning, when man first sinned against God and iniquity started, God planned in advance to send his son to pay the penalty for the sin. And his mercy is extended to us through Jesus Christ. Justice is served because Jesus paid the penalty for us. And we get the reward of eternal life if we put our trust in him. That is what a good, merciful God does. And I'll explain this a little bit more later. Now we're going to talk about how God is just and how he reveals he's just through the word, through creation, through Jesus Christ, and in our hearts. Beginning with the word. In Deuteronomy 32.4, it says, He is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just and true. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright, and just is he. Psalms 89.14 Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. And other verses say that God loves righteousness and justice. The Lord secures justice. His laws are just. Judgments are unsearchable. His tongue speaks what is just. All his decisions are just. His judgment is just, true, upright, and righteous. And the Lord is known by his justice. In Psalms 94.2, the writer is appealing and says, Rise up, O judge of the earth. And that's a capital J. That's like saying a name of him. He is the judge of the earth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, to address the wrongs perpetrated against the weak by the arrogant and wicked men who occupy seats of power. We should be glad, especially for many of us who have been wronged on earth, that the perfect judge of the world will have his final say even when earthly judges don't do their jobs right. And there are many verses where God says, don't deny justice, don't withhold justice, make sure justice comes for the weak, for the poor, for the fatherless, and for the alien. God cares about justice. If you don't see justice on this earth, it doesn't mean he doesn't care about it. Psalms 9 says, The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness. He will govern the peoples with justice. Arise, O Lord, let not man triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. 
when we see all the moral injustice and equity in this world, we too can cry out to God like those who did thousands of years ago. God hears your cries. In Psalms 74 and 75, the writer says, how long shall the wicked triumph? Isn't that what we say? There's so much wrong going on. How long are they going to triumph? How long, in Psalms it says, will the enemy mock you, O God? Why do you hold back your right hand? Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. And this is what God says in reply. I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge rightly. It is I who judge. I bring one down. I exalt another. I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. God decides when he's going to administer his justice. We want instant justice, but we must understand that it's not always how God administers justice. Many people really don't like that. But God decides the timing. He sees the big picture. There will eventually be true justice, but he decides when. He will oftentimes, in his mercy, delay justice for someone. So to give that person time to come to him, time to give their heart to him. After Cain killed Abel in Genesis, it's interesting that God said, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. He killed his brother in anger and jealousy, but God didn't kill Cain back. He did cause him to have to go through difficulties in life, but Cain was saying, that's too much for me. Have mercy. And God showed Cain mercy. He still administered justice, but he still gave him mercy too. God gets to decide that. He knows the right level of penalty and punishment and justice and mercy to give to every single individual because his heart is always to draw someone close to him. There's a very famous Psalms 73, and the psalmist complains to God that the wicked in this world seem to prosper. They seem carefree while they do all their evil deeds. They increase in wealth, and they carry their pride like a necklace. And it was driving him crazy. He was thinking, am I being good? Am I being righteous for nothing? It seems like the righteous are oppressed by these wicked people. And he was losing his heart for God, thinking God was not just and fair. Then he said he went to the sanctuary of God and God gave him a revelation. He said he understood their final destiny. And it says that God placed them on slippery ground. Suddenly they will be destroyed and swept away by terrors. And that word just made me think of hell. Those who are far from God will perish. If you read Revelation, it is filled with prophecy of divine judgment being ministered on the earth. So if you see injustice, don't lose heart. The psalmist finally said, but as for me, it's good to be near God. We should not worry when justice appears to be lagging, but we should trust in God's timing. It's important to guard your own soul and stay close to God. There's a parable in Luke 18 that talks about a lady who wanted justice. And she kept asking this. He was a bad judge. He kept knocking at his door, asking for justice, kept knocking and crying out for justice. Finally, just to get rid of her, he gave her justice and he took care of her situation. My NIV commentary says this, if an unworthy judge who feels no constraint of right or wrong is compelled by persistence to deal justly with a helpless individual, how much more will God answer your prayer? This parable reminds us that even though justice might lag, God says, keep praying, keep asking God for justice. Don't give up. Love your enemies. Seek God for justice. He hears your cry, my friend.
So how does God reveal himself as just through creation? Well, the best thing I could think of is that we go back to our courtroom. See a lot of TV shows with courtroom scenes. So imagine that in your head. The justice systems of the world are all pretty much based in some fashion on biblical justice established long ago in Bible times. And there's also within us a sense of right and wrong. For example, I heard that just about every society and culture has established that stealing is wrong. And that's why just about every culture and nation sets up systems to decide what to do when injustices are done, when contracts are broken, when we are harmed, slandered, or mistreated. Because man's heart is wicked. And can you imagine if there was no law in our society, it would be chaos because man's heart is so wicked. If people don't think there are consequences for wrong actions, they will just do whatever their wicked heart desires. Think of what times were like in Noah's days. It says that every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil all the time. And we are really foolish if we think we wouldn't fall into same patterns if there weren't rules and laws in place for us. Justice is good. Justice is necessary. And justice is beneficial for everyone in a culture. The Bible says by justice, a king gives a country stability. When justice is done, it brings joy. When justice is done well, it can bring closure for the offended party. I've been reading in Kings and Solomon actually built a hall of justice. It's pretty interesting. And when God asked Solomon what he wanted, Solomon asked for wisdom. But he said he asked for wisdom because he needed discernment in how to administer justice among all the people. He was young when he came to the throne and he realized he didn't know how to administer justice. So he asked for wisdom and God was very pleased with this request. But what it really made me think is that it is not an easy thing to administer good justice. Thank goodness we have laws in place. Think of how tricky it is even in our own American courtrooms. There are lies, twisting of the truth, sins of omitting evidence. The Bible says a corrupt witness mocks at justice. Evil men do not understand justice. A wicked man accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the course of justice. It is not good to be partial to the wicked and deprive the innocent of justice. Thank goodness in God's courtroom, he looks straight into a person's heart. He knows the motive behind any action. He knows all men's hearts are wicked. In God's courtroom, there are no hidden truths or any additional facts that need to be found out. Lies are exposed and motives are revealed before a holy God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are perfect, godly, and righteous counsel, and God's perfect wisdom is administered. You know, the Jewish leaders in Jesus' time broke many rules of justice. They broke a lot of their own laws in order to bring false accusations against Jesus in order to kill him. Jesus knows all about injustice. Jesus knew how unjust his accusers were, and he didn't defend himself. He faced injustice to save the world. So let's now talk about how God reveals he's just through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to start by saying there's a prophecy of our Messiah in Isaiah 42, and God says this about him, my chosen one in whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. 
God gives Jesus authority to administer justice. And at the right time, the Messiah will judge the people with righteousness and the poor with judgment. That gives me a lot of joy and hope knowing that Jesus is the one that is going to administer justice because he's perfect. But most specifically, I want to talk about what Jesus did for us to satisfy the just requirements of God. Romans 3 verses 21 through 26, and I'm going to use just part of these verses. It says, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, justified freely by his grace. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did it to demonstrate demonstrate his justice so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. That is a lot there, but I want to talk specifically about he justifies those who have faith in Jesus, that last phrase. The word justified, it means when someone believes in Jesus Christ, God declares them not guilty, or another way to say it, they were unrighteous, now they are righteous. Justify can be said, it is then just as if I never sinned. God cancels the guilt of the person's sin and credits righteousness to him. In an earthly courtroom, when you're declaring a sentence for what the person did for their illegal behavior, when you administer the sentence, you are saying that these are the consequences and these are the penalties for your behavior. There are also consequences and penalties for sin in God's courtroom too. Because of our sin, we are all under the sentence of death. That's the consequences. That's the penalty. The Bible says no one is righteous. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. No one can declare themselves to be righteous. No one can make themselves righteous. We are willful, rebellious, and behave in constant iniquity. When our iniquity comes in contact with a just, holy God who has pure, infinite equity, we find we have to plead for mercy on the court. God must be just, and his justice is quite severe. He cannot be persuaded to be less just. God says our only plea can be placed upon having put our faith in Jesus Christ during our lifetime. The Apostle John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Justification means that although we clearly and totally deserve to be declared guilty, but because we put our trust in Christ, God declares us righteous. My NIV commentary says it is a valid legal declaration because Christ died to pay the penalty for our sin. He lived a life of perfect righteousness that can then in turn be given to us. Or you can say that it'll be credited to believers as their very own righteousness. God the judge doesn't totally disregard justice when he spares a person from the required legal consequences and penalties. God shows his mercy only after justice has been satisfied. That's how he can show his mercy and justice at the same time. He shows his mercy after justice has been satisfied. The just penalty for our sin was made when Jesus died for us on the cross. He was the substitute. He died in our place. We had that death sentence on us and he died so we wouldn't have to die. 
understanding this deep in our hearts over what Jesus did for us, it has transformed many hearts and lives. And these lives are lived for Jesus as an offering of thankfulness to receive such a wonderful, and this is a free gift of God. If you don't believe in a just God, you may place your hope in the fact that God's too kind to punish you. That is a wrong understanding of God. And that wrong understanding, you are going to find yourself standing before him without repentance and without Jesus Christ. And that's not going to be a good thing for you. You might be living your life thinking you can do whatever you want as long as it's not too bad and God will let you into heaven because you weren't such a bad person. That is a false and eternally damaging understanding of God as being just. So the only way you can receive righteousness is through Jesus Christ. So people ask the question all the time. So if Jesus is the only way, what about people who haven't heard about him? To be honest with you, I don't know the answer to this question, but I wanted to bring it up because even though I don't have the answer, there is one thing that I do know about God. And I know that whatever that situation is, God will be just. I heard a story once of an African tribesman who, when the missionary came to his village and explained the gospel of Jesus, he said, I knew it. He said in his heart, he knew that there was something more. And I believe that God looks into a man's heart and he knows when there's belief and unbelief and he will be completely just to those people. But whenever someone asks this question, I think the most important thing in this question isn't about how God will treat the other person, because God's going to be just. How will he treat people who haven't heard about Jesus? Well, he's going to be just. But the thing is, you've heard about Jesus. What's important is, how will you be treated? It says very clearly in the Bible, what will happen to those who have heard about what his son did on the cross? Will you want him to be just with you when you stand before him and you have to give account of your life? So on our fourth point, how does God reveal that he's just through our hearts? I have heard a lot of people blame God when they are harmed by someone else. If someone else hurts us or if they hurt someone we love, I have heard people just be angry at God about it. Yes, they're angry at the person that hurt them, but they're also angry at God. They believe God should have stopped that bad thing from happening to them or else he's not being fair or just. Yet when we do something that hurts someone else. Whoa, we want mercy. You see, God doesn't stop us from hurting others. He doesn't stop spouses from fighting and saying unkind things to one another. He doesn't stop parents from telling a child that they won't amount to anything. He doesn't stop children from being disrespectful to their parents. He doesn't stop bullying and racism or prejudice. And it may seem unfair, but God has given everyone freedom to choose to do the right thing and receive blessings or to choose to do the wrong thing and suffer consequences. Believe me, I'm not going to lie. I don't understand it all either. I don't. But this I know. Whenever I start to doubt God's fairness, I know that that is the voice of the enemy whispering in my ear. The enemy is lying to me, trying to discredit God in any way possible. So I know those words are wrong. So I choose to believe God is just even when it doesn't make sense. To think otherwise would be to believe in Satan's lies that God is not just or fair. It means to take a step of faith to believe in what God says about himself regardless of the circumstances. 
The story of Job is a great comfort for me in this area of how bad things happen to good or innocent people. God called Job, called him his servant. And he said to Satan, have you seen Job, my servant? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Job really didn't see why God caused so much suffering to happen to him. And God never actually in the story ever tells him why. So do you think God was being unfair to Job in that situation? How would you answer that question? Was God being unfair to Job? We know the conversation between God and Satan, but Job didn't. But how did Job handle it? In the end, Job humbled himself before a sovereign God, and then God blessed him all the more for his faith. As we've been saying all along in our podcasts, our perspective of God is very key. Let's say you have four children in a family environment. Each one will view their home life differently. One might be angry that they don't get enough attention. Another understands that their parents are human and they did the best they could. One forgives their parents and is able to move on with their lives. Another is so angry and hurt that they break all ties with their family. It is all in the child's perspective. Many of us are like children when we have a view of God and his ways. The main difference is that God is never a bad parent and his ways are perfect. He never changes. We are the ones that change our point of view about him. His view towards us is always with open arms, loving, and full of mercy and grace. I just ask you to take some time to examine where your heart is in this important attribute. Bring your questions to the Bible. Bring any questions to God. Pray. Say, God, help me to understand and believe that you are just. Living a radical life for Jesus means believing that God is just. want you all to know how much God loves you. And we want to thank you so much for listening. If you think that this can help anyone, I ask that you please forward it and share it with your friends. If you listen to our podcasts through a podcast app, we ask if you could please write a review. Your comments will really help us in our ratings and we want to bring in new listeners. If any of you have prayer requests or if you want clarifications on some of these attributes, you can send me an email at Rick and Robin mo at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you're a teen rescue fan, please also become a member on our Facebook group there. The next time we're going to talk about the letter K. I'll talk to you then.